Thank you, Maggie, for reading the, the scripture for this morning. The question I have for you to begin with is, what are you building? What are you building? I don't consider myself much of a builder. Um, we have many carpenters, at least it seems to me, and craftsmen in this congregation here. And so, who do it quite well, but I don't consider myself to be in those ranks. I enjoy when someone is there to tell me what to do. Um, the wheelchair ramp projects that Cleet is in charge of. I enjoy those because I just have to show up and he's got it all mapped out. It's already been planned. And all I need to do is just do what he tells me to do. And it's, it's great because I don't have to figure any of it out. So that's the kind of carpenter I am. If somebody can tell me everything that needs done, I could probably do it. But I don't consider myself much of a carpenter. Um, I am, I guess, somewhat of a builder. I guess last Sunday, Reed and I um, built his first computer, which was a lot of fun. Um, I know Ethan has built a computer as well, and several maybe others around here have. Um, so I guess in that sense, maybe I'm a builder. Uh, it's, some, it's an area I feel comfortable in and relatively skilled at. But what are you building? I don't really know all of you, you know, like the things that you do necessarily or what you're good at, but what are you building? We're all building something, um, whether we think of it that way or understand it or not. We're building something. Some are building a career. Um, some are building a business. Um, some are building a family. Some are constructing books. I see you, Vicky, out there. Some are building people. Some are building a 401k. Some are building actual houses um, or parts of houses. I remember not too long ago, standing somewhere in this vicinity, I don't really know exactly where it was, but we were standing. We came out here after... We used to meet in this building over here across the field. And one Sunday we came out here and stood in the middle of what was just a field. And we kind of dedicated this spot for a building that was going to be built. And here it is. And believe it or not, we've been in here seven years, I counted up. It's hard to believe we've actually been in here that long. What will it be like in 50 years? It won't seem like a new building, I'm sure. Um, or 100 years. Will it even be here in 100 years or 200 years? I, I think about that sometimes when I think of my own house that I live in and like, what's going to happen with it? Will it actually exist here, you know, in another 50 or 100 years? The, the home that I grew up in back in Michigan no longer exists. It was torn down, bulldozed in, and a new home, my brother built a new home on that location because it was made out of green lumber and everything like warped and the house kind of, it needed to be torn down. So it doesn't exist anymore. That's kind of what happens with things in this world. They come for a while, you know, if you drive over by Westland Mall, like back when Doris and I were dating, that was the happening place to go. And uh, I think it's all boarded up now. I don't think, I don't think there's any businesses in there anymore. And uh, just this last week, we went to Tuttlewall, and like, there was hardly anything 
happening there. Like, that was surprising to me. That was the happening place as well, and I don't know what's going to happen to that place either. So things come and go in time. Things get built, and then they get torn down, and something else gets built. It's just what happens in this life. The title of my message is Building for Life, and maybe you saw it online, the title, but I'd like to explore the idea of building something that will last, to build something that will last. Like I said, this building may seem new, but it's already seven years old, and it's, it's, it's already beginning to age. Um, one of the places that I would like to see sometime is Stonehenge. I don't know, has anybody ever been to Stonehenge, seen the, the rock formations there that somebody built? Nobody really knows who built them. But they're estimated to have been built, at least a portion of it, 5,000 years ago. And so here's a structure that has stayed, and then I think part of the structure they estimate has been built like 2,500 years ago. So I don't know, there were two different groups and how they communicate those many years apart, but a very old structure that's been built and is still standing, and a lot of questions about how they were able to actually construct these huge, grab these huge stones and somehow lift them. Like, nobody really knows how they were able to do that with, without modern construction equipment or cranes. But, you know, those have stood the test of time somewhat, but we still don't really even know what they're for in a lot of ways. What are the things that are going to stand the test of time that we can be involved in building? That's what I want us to think about today. Our text today is Romans chapter 15, verses 15 to 21. And I invite you, wherever you are, if you want to open your Bibles to there, we'll spend most of our time in that area. And we're going to look at what Paul is building. He talks about that in this passage. And I'm going to read the first few verses. Romans 15 starting at verse 15. He says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly to, by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Paul is proud of his work for God. He talks about the idea that he's been chosen. Chosen by the grace of God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were all of us who are not Jews in the priestly service of the gospel of God, he's been chosen to do this work. So, in Christ Jesus, he could not have been more satisfied or more fulfilled in anything than this work, in accomplishing this work that he's been given to do and carrying out this work. There is no greater work in the world. Whatever it is that you and I are building... We're creating or planning or strategizing about, thinking about, dreaming about. There is no greater work than the work 
of sharing the gospel that Paul talks about here. He said, I've been given this great work by the grace of God. And this ties in well to last week in Romans 15, 13. We, we talked about the abounding hope that we have through Christ. We have this abounding hope in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, through which we believe and we have forgiveness of sin. For those who believe, we have this indescribable inheritance that we talked about that's uh, talked about in 1 Peter. You remember what we talked about, the future is so bright, right? Got to wear shades. And thank you for all of you who sent your pictures in this week of yourself wearing shades. Uh, it might take you a while to recognize everyone on there. I just have to point out Molly's down there in the lower left. She, she gave a little caption for hers. Why the long face when our future is so bright? So, yeah, good one, Molly. Thank you. And here's the rest of them. So, uh, thanks for saying those in. I, I'm going to have these pictures on my desk so it reminds me of you as a church. It's always good for me to be reminded, especially when we're spread out so much right now. And some of you I don't see all of that often. So thanks, thanks for sending those pictures in. But this is our reality. We have a great hope. And out of that hope springs a deep desire for everyone in the world to experience this same hope, this good news. It's where evangelism naturally comes from. We want everyone to know and believe and be acceptable before God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's our desire for others in the world. And I don't believe there is any greater work than that work. You've seen it time and time again. You see people who are excited about whatever it is. It could be a product. It could be um, a book that you read. It could be something that you're working at or some area that you have a high interest in like space or rockets or whatever you have interest in. And so it's, it, those are things that we naturally want to talk about. We want to tell other people about it, especially if it's good news, right? Something you have good news about, it could be somebody announcing that they're pregnant, it could be somebody announcing that they're getting married, somebody graduating from high school or college, all kinds of things that we could think of as good news. And when we hear those things, we can't wait to tell other people that good news that we've heard about. And here we have the best news, right? We have the best news that a person could possibly understand. We're forgiven through Christ. We're set free from sin, and we have this wonderful inheritance that we're looking forward to. And so, it automatically makes us, I think, an evangelist in a, in a lot of ways. If, if that really is our hope, if that really is what we believe, we can't help but be someone who shares that good news with other people. Paul speaks as one who has overflowing hope. He counts it a privilege to be chosen by God and speak on behalf of Jesus Christ 
and the gospel. He counts it a great privilege. And it is a privilege for every believer. Every follower of Jesus. Every person who has been declared a son and daughter of God. It is a great privilege to hold this treasure in our hands. To be able to share it with other people. Many of you are familiar with the great commission that Jesus left for all who believe. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When I read that verse, I had a flashback just now, thinking back to last, about a year ago, last fall, where we had a baptism. I don't know how many, eight or, eight or so people who were baptized um, out at the creek. And what a wonderful celebration of this gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see people who have said, you know, I, am, I believe, I am committed. And to know that they have this hope, this wonderful hope. Later in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I don't know if London is the end of the earth or not, but the gospel has made it here, to London. It's made it to all parts of the world. All of us who believe have been chosen to carry this good news through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're to carry that to those people who are in London or Mechanicsburg or West Jeff or Plain City, all of those who are in Madison County, Franklin County, the state of Ohio, the country, U.S., and all countries in the world. That's been given to each of us who believe to carry this good news to those places. And not to minimize all the skills that God has blessed us with, but there is no greater work that we could be doing. It's all been given. All of our resources, all of our skills and abilities have been given to us to give glory to God and to point people to this great hope that we have. We pick up again in Romans 15, verse 18. Paul says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what, G what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, 
Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul says, I have nothing else that I can even speak that's worthwhile except what Christ has accomplished in me by bringing me, by bringing many Gentiles in obedience to Christ. It's interesting that he describes the fulfilling of his ministry, of the ministry of the gospel, all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. And there's a good bit of distance between those areas. Paul has covered a lot of area. And if you're familiar with his travels, you know that. That he's traveled many miles to share the gospel. But he felt a particular call to share the gospel to the Gentiles, those who were not Jews. He felt that calling from God to that group of people. And I think it's the same for each of us. God calls each of us to different people groups. Different, we have different neighbors. We have different people that we interact with, whether at work or in our neighborhoods. All different kinds of people that you and I are called to. And we're uniquely placed in a position to be able to share the good news with. We don't all have to be like Paul. He had his own particular call, and you and I, God gives us a particular call, or even a particular person that he lays on our heart that he wants us to share Jesus with, to share the good news with. And so, Paul has great ambition. He's building something that's going to last for eternity. It's the only thing that really is going to last for eternity. He's building the kingdom of God, something that is far beyond himself. He's building this kingdom over which Christ will reign forever. And it cannot be and it will not be shaken, no matter what comes. Paul and you and I who believe have the privilege of helping to build this kingdom. Yesterday I received a package in the mail, actually it came from Hawaii, some electronic components, and I told you I think last week that I found a TV on the curb and narrowed down what I thought was the problem and ordered some parts that came from Hawaii, I don't know why, but anyway, that's where I got them from and I put them in yesterday, it took me about five minutes and voila, TV worked great. I was pretty excited, you know, like hey. Those are the kinds of things I like to do, and uh, especially when it doesn't take too much work to do it, it's pretty cool. So now I've got to figure out what to do with this TV. But anyway, it was fun to fix it and see it work. And so, you know, the things that I can do, the things that I can build or create, are, they're very satisfying to me to do. I mean, it's the way I was made, and you, and, you were made to, to be able to do different things than me. But you know, as satisfying as that was, it is hard for me to fathom the fact that I can be involved in building something that will last for life. Now, this TV is probably going to last a little while, maybe a few years, and then once again, it's going to end up on the curb somewhere, probably. But to be able to be involved in building something that is going to last forever, to build for life, as the title of the message is, it's going to last forever, for eternity. There aren't too many things that we can be involved with that are like that. And if you've ever been involved in seeing someone come to know Jesus, where you had some small part in that process, 
I think you know the feeling. There's no feeling quite like seeing someone come to know Jesus and to be forgiven of their sin and know that they are going to experience eternity in heaven. There's nothing quite like being involved in that work. And I've been involved in quite a few different things that are very satisfying, but there's nothing quite like being involved in that kind of work, no matter how small your part might be. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul reminds us that this building that we're building in Christ is not upon people. It's not built upon people, not on Paul himself or any other great apostle or preacher or teacher that was part of his discussion in 1 Corinthians 3. People were saying, well, I, I like this guy. I like Paul. Well, I, like, I like Apollos. And I like Peter. And he's like, those are not foundations to build on. And he says this, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is that you're building. We're all building different things, as I said earlier. But if you don't lay the foundation of Jesus Christ, other parts of Scripture describe him as the cornerstone. If you don't build that foundation... It's not going to last. There's a lot of things we build that will last a while, maybe 5, 10 years, 50 years, maybe 100 years, or maybe even 5,000 years, like <clears throat> these guys built this stone thing over in England. There's not many things that will last, that will stand the test of time. All of the other buildings we are building... Well, well, the scripture passage in 1 Corinthians tells us that they're going to be burned up like wood or hay or straw. And it's why Paul mentions the gospel so many times in these few verses. There's nothing else more important and can be built upon than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives this angle on it in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 6. It's a little bit different angle, but it's related. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a little while later he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what is it that you're building? We are in a time of testing right now, I believe. Our faith is being tested to see if it's real or not. Will it stand up? and be refined under fiery trial? Or will it just burn up? Will your work stand? Will it stand, stand up to the test of time? 
Are you laying up treasure in heaven where it will last eternally? Or are you really consumed with building things in this world? Where is your hope? And wherever it is, that's where you're going to find your heart. Whatever it is that you put your hope in, you'll find your heart there as well, and that's where your energies are going to be focused. If your eyes are fixed on Jesus and He is where your hope is, then your ambition will be focused on the work of the gospel. Maybe some of you are listening right now and you know that you really have never committed your life to Jesus. Jesus tells us that this is really an all-or-nothing proposition. He asks for everything. It may make sense in the financial world to diversify your investments, but in God's kingdom, there's only one place that we can put all of our investment, one place, and that's Jesus Christ. We put all of our eggs in that basket. Jesus said that if you want to be his disciple, you must give up the pursuit of everything else. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. He says you must be different than the rest of the world. Like salt in an unsalted world, like light in the darkness. Jesus says we aren't saved by anything that we could do ourselves. Any of the good works that we do, there are no guarantee of salvation. We can't do enough good things in order for us to be righteous before God. Jesus is the only one who can make us righteous before God. The passage that Maggie read from Romans 10 tells us that in order to be saved, we must confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a fantastic invitation that God is giving the whole world by his grace and mercy. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame. And they will be saved. So if you have not believed, I invite you this morning, right now, to believe with all your heart. To give yourself to Him and to claim this great hope that we all have in Christ. Today is the day of salvation. If you are a true believer, I want to encourage you, once again, to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're like me, there is so much going on in this world that is distracting, and I would describe myself as somewhat of an ADHD person. I just kind of, yeah, I can be very distracted. Um... Sometimes when I'm sitting to write my sermon, I just, I have to get up and walk around and go outside, whatever, and I have a hard time just sitting at my desk and cranking it out. But we continually need to be reminded 
to fix our eyes back on Jesus. There are so many things that are drawing our attention. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus together as the body of Christ and let us build the kingdom of God. Let's make that a priority to build the kingdom of God. Let's show the whole world the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that God offers all who believe. And let us use the tools of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We've been equipped by the Holy Spirit with so much. Let us use those tools to spread the good news about Jesus. Let us give witness to the overflowing hope that we have in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us build something together that will have impact and last for all eternity. Something greater than Stonehenge, even though that's stood the test of time so far in this world. But something that will stand for all eternity. We aren't just cheap salesmen or women, saleswomen. We offer a great hope. We're pointing people to Jesus. And I think there's great opportunity right now. Doris and I have met more people just in our neighborhood this spring and summer than I can ever remember. When people are outside and people are looking for interaction with others. I don't know how many, if I were to count it up, probably at least 20 maybe more, I don't know, that we've met just in our neighborhood over the last couple months. And it's just been a fantastic time. We make a point of just taking lots of walks and looking for people, not to ambush them, not to be the cheap salesman, but to be a friend. There are people looking for friendship. They're looking for hope in this world. And you and I, we're holding that hope. We know about it. We know what it is. And so I feel like we have a great opportunity. The future really is bright. And we want everyone to know it. I love this passage that Maggie read from Romans chapter 10. And I want to close our time with this. Scripture again. The last couple verses. And it's a call to all of us as believers about what we're going to be involved in and what, what is most important. And it gives, it raises the people who share the gospel, it raises them to a high level a high view in God's mind. He holds them in high esteem. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent?
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen.